first lesson for this fourth Sunday in Lent, or third Sunday in Lent, is found recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 28, beginning at the 10th verse. Jacob set out from Beersheba and traveled through Haran. He came to a certain place and decided to spend the night there, because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from that place and put it under his head and lay down to sleep in that place. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway set up on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven. There were angels of God ascending and descending on it. There at the top stood the Lord who said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you are lying, I give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. In you and in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back again into this land. Indeed, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Jacob woke up from his sleep, and he said, Certainly the Lord's in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awe-inspiring is this place. This is nothing other than the house of God. And this is the gate to heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace through God, or with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice confidently, confidently on the basis of our hope for the glory of God. Not only this, but we also rejoice confidently in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces patient endurance. And patient endurance produces tested character. And tested character produces hope. And hope will not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who, has, who was given to us. For at the appointed time, while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. It is rare indeed that someone will die for a righteous person. Perhaps someone might actually go so far as to die for a person who has been good to him. But God shows his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, it is even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. For it, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, it is even more certain that since we have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only is this so, but we also go on rejoicing confidently in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom we have now received this reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, beginning at the 31st verse. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the experts in the law, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning around and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. He called the crowd and his disciples together and said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the Gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in Exodus chapter 3 beginning at the first verse. Now Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, a priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came, and came, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in blazing fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but the bush was not burning up. So he said, I will go over and look at this amazing sight to find out why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that, that Moses had gone over to, to take a look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here, I am here. The Lord said, do not come any closer. Take off your, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He then said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have certainly seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cry for help because of the slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now indeed, the Israelites' cry for help has come to me. Yes, I have seen how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Come now, I will send you to Pharaoh and to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh 
and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. This will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? So God replied to Moses, I am who I am. He also said, you will say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, what a name. It is truly a name like no other. It is unique, one of a kind. And in fact, it is a very simple name. You could even argue it is the simplest of names. When God said to Moses to tell the people, I am who I am. It's a four-letter word in the original Hebrew language, and the Lord God Almighty actually connects it with the word Lord that you will see translated in all four capital letters. That, too, is another four-letter word. In fact, the word Lord literally means He is. Same root, root, same verbal root stem, it, he is, that simple verb that is found in any language. Dr. Martin Luther said it is interesting that God didn't say or use the word has been or will be, but he uses the word is, the verb being used as a noun. Now, of all the names that God could have used and come up with, and he could have even invented some names, he uses one of the most common words and verbs used, especially in the English language, to be. But that word is, it emphasizes the fact that he is real, he exists. See, all the other false gods, they are the I am nots. He is the I am. And because in the original Hebrew language, this is in the imperfect tense, which emphasizes action that's not completed, then the emphasis here is that he is ongoing, he continues, he's constant, he is eternal. This is what God says about himself. And this is the true triune God, who is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and my friends, there is no other God, only the God who says, I am, or he is, the Lord. This is the Lord that called Moses to faith. This is the very Lord who had called him to serve. And we have the privilege and honor this morning to hear the beautiful words of Exodus 3 as God did call Moses to serve. 
Oftentimes you will see the title be the burning bush. But really the title is Moses' Great Commission. It has been 40 years since Moses has been in the wilderness in the area of Midian. Uh, he left Egypt. Um, in fact, he had been a prince in Egypt raised by one of Pharaoh's daughters. And after he had killed an Egyptian, he took off for his life and has not returned since. During that 40-year period, he's gotten married, he's got children, and he is a shepherd, especially for his father-in-law, Jethro, who was a priest in the area. And as oftentimes happens, is being a shepherd, you may have to go great distances to find water and food for your animals, for your flock. And Moses did just that. In fact, he has now left the wilderness area and he's now into the mountain range, and especially the mountain range of Horeb. He calls this mountain range the mountain of God. Because one of the peaks, Mount Sinai, is where the people of Israel are going to come after they leave Egypt. And it is here that they will see the glory of the Lord and receive his holy commands, especially the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. But until then, Moses, bringing his flock into this area, sees what is called here, an amazing sight or a special sight. Literally in the Hebrew, it means it was a great sight. And what made it so great is he saw a bush burning, but not burning up. In the Hebrew, the word for bush actually has the idea of a thorny bush. A bush burning and not burning up? Well, that moved Moses to go and check it out. And as he came closer, we're told that God spoke to him from the bush. In fact, we're told it was the angel of the Lord. And the first impression would be, well, this is a, another angel, a, a spirit being that God had made that serves God and serving mankind. But in this case, it is not that at all. The word angel means messenger. And the messenger of the Lord in this case was the second person of the Holy Trinity. The Lord and Savior, Jesus, before he took on human flesh and was even called the name Jesus. The very Son of God was crying out from Moses from that bush. And not only is he called God here, but he himself calls himself God. I am the God of your father Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Those very words um, remind us of what Jesus said concerning those words when he was speaking to the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. And he used these words as a proof passage that there is life after death. As Jesus would put it, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And this very Lord God as Moses came closer, called out his name. He didn't just say, hey, you, what's your name? What are you doing here? He says, Moses, Moses, and then goes on to tell him that because of the presence of the Lord God Almighty himself, 
This is holy ground. And when Moses heard that he was to take off his sandals, he actually hid his face. Moses knew, as we all must know, that no sinful human being could stand before a holy God and live because God hates sin. And Moses knew this, and yet the very Lord God was coming to him. And that's the very Lord God that comes to us. Yes, even calling each and every one of us to faith in him by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through that word in our very hearts. In fact, we take off our sandals, don't we? When we certainly come to the Lord with a repentant heart, with a heart that admits I'm a sinful human being and with sorrows over sin, praying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, grant me that heart to trust in your forgiveness and the payment you made on the cross for the sins of the world. In fact, we can say, that we are standing on holy ground. Every time we hear the preaching and teaching of his holy name, knowing that God reveals himself through his holy word, the written word, the Bible. The Lord told Moses that he has heard the cry of the people of Israel. And even though he didn't answer their prayers immediately, he would answer them at the right time. And we know that God does it that way, knowing what's best for you at even the best possible time. And the very Lord that, that heard these cries had a plan. He didn't just simply have pity on them and wish them to tough it out. No, he was going to leave them and free them from this land of slavery. He was going to lead them out of Egypt and, and the oppression that they had been terribly suffering for hundreds of years. And not only that, he's going to bring them back to the land of Canaan, where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all lived in tents as strangers and aliens but always with the promise that God would one day bring the descendants of Abraham back to this land and they would have this land as numerous as the stars in the sky. And God was announcing to Moses that he was keeping that promise and now that promise would be fulfilled. He tells Moses to now go. And what I find amazing is, after telling him to go and go to Pharaoh, Moses doesn't go. Unlike, unlike his forefather, Abraham, when God told him to do something, there, is, there was no argument, there was no questions. It, scripture just says, Abraham got up and went. No, Moses goes and questions actually questions the Lord. Lord, who am I to go? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
Moab. The Lord, with great patience and love, does not even get angry with Moses, but instead assures him, I will be with you. You have God on your side. This is a God who created everything in six 24-hour days using his almighty word. To have God on your side and God promising to be with you, there is no greater promise that could chase away any fear than that. And then to help him understand, he's going to give him a sign, literally a pledge. You will worship and serve on this mountain. And God's going to make it so. And you're going to be reminded of this pledge when you lead the people out of Israel. You would have thought that that would have settled the matter right there. Okay, God, I'm good to go. I'm heading to Pharaoh. But no, he still argues. Then he asks about, well, what is your name? What should I, who should I say is sending me? And there's where, once again, he tells them, I am who I am. Once again, this is the Lord. In fact, the Lord even gives his own commentary on this very word when, after the making of the second set of tablets of the Ten Commandments, the first set had been destroyed, God said this to Moses, Lord, Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and overflowing with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for thousands, forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. He will by no means clear the guilty. He calls their children and their children's children to account for the guilt of the fathers, even to the third and fourth generations. And with this, even hearing the very name of God coming from the very lips of God, he went on to continue to make excuses. And once again, I'm amazed at the patience and grace of God. God had every right to strike him dead right then and there. But he did not. This is truly undeserved love. And it is truly undeserved love that our God has called us to serve, also with the same command, to go. To go and make disciples, Jesus said, after his resurrection, when he announced that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples, and he's saying this to his disciples. Disciples, go make more of yourselves. And he doesn't let it to their own fate and luck. No, he tells them to use the tools of baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to use the tools of teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And just like Moses, Jesus gives us a promise to surely be with us always to the very end of the age. My friends, we have God on our side. As you grow in that word that you cannot live without, know to share that word and to live that word by letting your light shine. Because the very God who called Moses is the very God who has called you to lead precious souls to the cross of Christ, knowing it is an empty cross because the victory is won. Where there is forgiveness, there is the sure hope of everlasting life in heaven. But until the day the Lord calls us home, 
serve him and serve him gladly. This is God's great commission for all of us. So when you look at the stained glass window, don't just see a pretty window that's trying to convey that there was a burning bush, but see in the window the great commission God gave, yes, to Moses, but also to all of us. Go make disciples, but do so giving all praise and glory, and it is to the praise and glory that this window is dedicated in this house of the Lord to the glory of God, who is the great I Am. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.